I'm Sydney. And I'm Julie. And this is Restaurant and Retail Revelations. This is episode 36 of Restaurant and Retail Revelations, a podcast that spotlights movers and shakers in the hospitality industry. This podcast is made possible by Revel Systems, provider of the leading cloud-native POS platform on the market. And for today's guest, we're joined by Juan Reyes, Director of Marketing and Brand Development at Pizza Patron. That's right. Pizza Patron is a Latin-inspired pizza chain started in the 80s that has undergone some major brand transformation since its founding. And as a bonus, the brand is one of our longstanding Revel clients. Yeah, I'm excited to learn more from Juan about what it means to be a Latin-inspired pizza concept and also to hear how the brands evolved with the shifting marketplace and consumer expectations. So let's jump in. Here's Juan. Juan, welcome to the Restaurant and Retail Revelations podcast. We are so excited to talk with you today and to learn even more about Pizza Patron. Yeah, well, thank you, Sydney, for inviting me on and I'm glad to share anything I can about Pizza Patron. So to give our listeners some context, especially if they don't live near any of your 80 plus restaurant locations, will you just share a bit about Pizza Patron's origin story and what makes the brand unique? Oh, yeah. I think we we probably have one of the more unique stories, and I'm pretty sure, you know, every brand out there feels that way. But to tell our story, uh, you know, I have to start with the, the founder of the company, Antonio Swad. And I don't know how much you, you know about Antonio Swad or even our listeners, but this individual also started Wingstop. So he, he gave birth to Wingstop and Pizza Patron. And I was like, what are we doing talking about Wingstop in a, in a topic about Pizza Patron? Because they're so connected. So he started Pizza Patron back in 1986 in Dallas, Texas. And he saved all the money that he could. And he said, this is, I can afford this place. I can, this lease I can afford. Uh, he opened the place and, uh, you know, very quickly he realized that he opened it in a very uh, Latino community. So he quickly pivoted, like this is within a couple of weeks of opening. He changed the name. The original name was Pizza Pizza and he changed it to Pizza Patron. And he hired bilingual staff, right, for, for the front of the house. And boom, Pizza Patron was born. And that gave him a focus that he didn't necessarily have when he opened that, that restaurant and, and very quickly, it became a community favorite. He went on to open four additional restaurants within Dallas, Texas. And uh, I actually, I was very fortunate growing up that I was exposed to the brand before it became what it is now. We start franchising in 2003. And uh, around this time, right, I'm in, I'm in my early 20s. I'm walking into the restaurants and I start seeing differences in the restaurant. I'm like, you know, went from a very mom and pop charm a white box, you know, simple logo, you know, still said Pizza Patron. Now there's some branding elements on these walls, right? There's a mural and you see decor that is inspired by, by, by Mexico, you know, and it's like, oh, this is really awesome. And at that point in my career, right, I, I studied graphic design and marketing. I was like, you know, this is a really cool company. I, I, like, I like their vibe. Roll on to 2007. I, I walk into one of the restaurants because I'm ordering pizza. And I have my kids with me. Thankfully, my kids wanted pizza that day. Because I walk in and there's a sign that they're hiring for graphic design and marketing, right? And come to find out later, you know, because I, I 
I, I think I could do this and I like this company. So I, I go out, I interview, come back for a second interview, they give me the job, right? And you know, I'm, I'm really excited to, to work for this company. And I come to find out the reason they took this approach was because they wanted to tap into the community. And kind of like you, you're gathering now, you know, Pizza Patron was very Latino focused dur during this time period. So they wanted somebody who was from these neighborhoods, who was bilingual, who understood both cultures. And, you know, that's the beautiful thing about the concept that, you know, we brought something very unique to the pizza game, right? It wasn't just, you know, hey, pepperoni, we have all the classics. Everybody loves the classic Supreme, right? You know, the meats, but we brought a little twist to it, right? With, we brought some Latino flair to these products. And I get very excited talking about, about, about this story because not only is, it, is the founder, Antonio Suad, you know, with his blue collar effort, and his incredible imagination, you know, but that is what attracted me to it. But just the way they went about hiring folks, right? And, and really being about the community. You know, fast forward, he sells Pizza Patron uh, in 2016. And the current owners, Charles and Chris, they were both franchisees of Pizza Patron. Charles Laughlin, he was also a franchisee for Wingstop. And in fact, uh, we're the biggest Wingstop uh, franchisee in, in the system, just to give you a sense of the, the scope and scale that, that we're working on now. So Charles and Chris, right, they, they see Pizza Patron, they love Pizza Patron, they find out it's, it's, it's on the market and, you know, come full circle, the first franchisee for Wingstop and Pizza Patron now is the owner, right, of, of Pizza Patron. He, now he's the franchisor and there's no better I think story for us than, than having an operator who truly knows all the positions in the restaurant, you know, now be at, at the helm in the leadership role for, for the brand and just kind of see it forward. So for me, when, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, when I decided during that transition, it's like, you know what, I, I, I want to stay committed to, to the brand. I want to see, you know, this thing grow beyond where we're at now. Uh, and Charles and Chris, but you know the the new owners are the individuals that can that can take us there. So, uh, kind of summarize it really quickly. But I just love sharing that story. I do a lot of these brand orientations with with the new stores and the new teams. So, and usually we have all these wonderful visuals while we're telling the story. But thank you for allowing me that much time to just talk about that little piece of of, of our history. No, what a cool founder story, and I also love that the community really played such a huge role in developing the early days of the brand identity. That is that I, I love that. You don't always see that. And, you know, you shared a little bit more about your background, how you came in, you walked right into the, the brick and mortar store and, and got your start at Pizza Patron. But to get a little bit more personal for a moment, your role is director of marketing and development at Pizza Patron today. And I'm curious to know what that entails for you day to day and um, how do you support the brand? Yeah, so uh, today uh, we do work with an agency now. We're very fortunate to have developed to that point. They're, they're a local agency to us here in San Antonio, Texas. You know, so they, we develop all the creative, all the campaign, all the strategy, the production through our agency. But we do retain some elements in-house. Uh, we do have a very small marketing team that, that I do oversee here in-house. So, you know, we develop our, our national campaign. When I say national, because we do have restaurants out in, in the Phoenix and uh, Arizona market, uh, right? That trickles down to, to our smaller markets. 
but it's it's very different from you know when we started you know when I started with the company we were essentially the in-house agency so I was very fortunate to wear many hats so we were writing the scripts in-house we were fighting the production companies in-house we were doing the media buys in-house and I think this harkens back to really connects to uh you know the, the founder and even our current owners really we were always kind of a blue collar approach to everything that that we did we ran very lean in terms of uh the staff that we had and that's the way we liked it because we we you know we whiteboarded an idea and it was like all right let's get to it let's start writing the script let's start writing the storyboard let's start working on on the media buy and i really i talk about that more than 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 today because and we were able to take action immediately and also see see those results just as quickly, you know, compared to today where, you know, you, you're, we're planning 18 months, 24 months. And that's necessary for for a brand that's evolving and, and, and maturing like like we are, you know, but I, I'm certainly I, I get very excited just talking about about those days. Right. Where where it was just, you know, just two or three of us just whiteboarding ideas and, and putting and putting them out there and executing. Yeah, I really love that. I mean, it's so cool to have those really hands-on projects and to see your thumbprint translate into things that end up making it into the market and bringing folks in. And I really also love that in spite of the the scaling and you have to scale if you're if that's if growth is in the plan, you know, you've got to be able to figure out how you can make that happen with a greater number of locations. You know, something that I have definitely heard is that in spite of the evolution of the brand, that kind of introductory story, the origin story, and of course, the Latin influence has really stayed. And I know your menu is one of the components that continues to set Pizza Patron apart from the competitors out there. And so I'd just love to hear from you maybe a menu highlight or two uh, that kind of continue to make your product more distinct and uh, popular offerings in your communities. Yeah, you know, I think we've all heard of like uh, New York style pizza, Detroit style pizza, right? And like the Chicago style pizza. And, uh, you know, one day I, I, I'd like to add another to that list, right? Like uh, Latino style pizza or even San Antonio style pizza. And it means something, right? Because we all know when we say New York style pizza, what it means or Detroit style. I think everybody has an idea. Uh, so, you know, that, that is our goal and that is a big point of difference for, for our brand and, and our company. You know, how can we stand out, you know, from the big four, the big five, and even in, in our own backyard? Uh, because everybody knows who they are. You know, they're everywhere. Uh, their, their budgets, you know, uh, are, are huge. And, uh, you know, being 80, 80 restaurants, we have to do things to kind of help us stand out while we still honor our roots and our core. And some of those products we during and uh, during actually during COVID 2020, we launched a pizza called the Carne Asada Pizza, and this was on a maíz crust or a corn crust. And this is a wonderful product because it it you know it didn't have marinara sauce. We use a uh, salsa verde, right? It had poblano peppers. It has poblano peppers, cilantro, fresh cut red onions, and and carne asada or, or steak strips. And it's a fantastic product. And it did so well uh, when it launched, you know, and uh, we initially had it planned like for March of 2020. We had ended up delaying it. Uh, obviously, the, the pandemic, uh, you know, during that time period was was at its peak. 
but we decided to move forward with it because there were so many things that had already been produced and this is the product that we launched. Um, so that's one of the products that I think really helps our, our menu stand out. And, and one of the actions that we've taken here recently to help consumers who maybe are not familiar with Pizza Patron, who might have a perception that it's like, oh, you know, all their food is spicy or all their food is different. You know, we, we want to clarify for, for, our, for our new guests coming, coming in that, you know, we have the classics and we have the Latin inspired pizzas, right? So if, you're, if you have a hankering for, for a classic pizza, right, with that wonderful marinara sauce, pepperoni and, or supreme, we have that. We have that as well. Or you have something, you know, uh, you want to feel, you want to explore a little bit or feel a little adventurous. We have a Latin inspired category as well beyond that carne asada pizza. Uh, another pizza, just to give you another example, is we call it the, uh, the Diablo pizza. Uh, it's, it's extreme. It's spicy, right? So that marinara sauce, it's a spicy sauce. It's got fresh cut jalapenos on it. It's got cheddar cheese and pepperoni. So we bring in some, some traditional elements. And this was actually released a couple years ago. Uh, around Halloween, right? It was a kind of a, a theme pizza. You know, these are the kind of the little things, little quirky things that we do to kind of try to help us stand out and, and, and really just people remember us as like, oh yeah, I remember those guys. Yeah, they had that cool pizza, right? It was spicy, but it was really cool. And they had an awesome name and they had an awesome personality. So you'll often see our pizzas kind of develop their own personality. And we persona, personify that through through their the naming convention that we have of our pies. If you were to look down our menu, you see pizzas like, uh, you know, called La Mexicana, which kind of give you a sense of the style of the pizza, right? You'll probably expect it to be a little spicy, or even we take conventional pizzas or traditional pizzas that are now traditional, like a Hawaiian pizza. And, uh, you know, us, we call it the Hawaiiana and, uh, or even our, 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 our veggie pizza, right? Our, we call it the vegetariana, right? It's, it's, we, we, we use a Spanish term for it while still, retaining elements, enough elements so that, uh, you know, anyone feels comfortable ordering it and they understand by looking at the name, oh, this is probably a veggie pizza, right? So trying to broaden our appeal while, while still sharpening our focus. Those are great examples of differentiators. And when I think about myself, you know, as a pizza consumer, which I am often, I'm always seeking out those unique toppings and unique pies. And so I, I can really appreciate that. And, you know, we've spoken to just how the brand has evolved since, you know, its origins in the 1980s, and it's evolved quite a bit. And as someone who supports marketing and development like yourself, I know you definitely have a finger on the pulse of just how everything is is evolving from menu offerings to other branded touch points and so forth. Uh, what are some of the most significant shifts you've seen to date on your team or just within the brand as a whole? Yeah, so one of the things that Charles and Chris, the new owners, wanted to do was, you know, and I'll go back to the phrase I used, broaden the appeal. You know, one of our, the, the founders' original goal was to make Pizza Patron, you know, really uh, the, a premier Latin brand. And, uh, you know, it's got pros and cons to it because, you know, not everyone's going to gonna have a natural affinity for, you know, a Latino style pizza. You know, and what, what does that even mean? That may throw a lot of people off. So we wanted to broaden our appeal so that we can, you know, take our brand and our concept and really say, hey, look, we we want to be able to open our restaurant in any neighborhood and, you know, still feel accessible to everyone uh, from all economic levels, from all demographics, rather than, you know, feeling exclusively Latino. 
And uh, so we did some brand studies to help us really understand perception of, of the brand. When Charles and Chris purchased the company, kind of that was the takeaway. It's like, okay, we have to modernize our marketing and our approach and how people perceive some of these actions and some of these naming conventions, some, you know, maybe uh, just make it more appealing, more accessible. So that's kind of the biggest shift that we've seen from, from consumers who know us and consumers who do not know us and how we make ourselves a bit more accessible. So those are some of, some of the slight tweaks that we've made to, to the company and the brand. Um, kind of like I mentioned earlier, right? We, we, we took the action of categorizing our pizzas to make it easier for, for non-users, people who don't know us or are not familiar with Patron, making it easier to understand our menu, right? That if, if you still want a classic flavor, hey, we have that. If you want to explore, we have the Latin-inspired uh, flavors for you. Uh, I think that's really a big shift from a, from a perception standpoint. And from the way guests behave in order, I think obviously the pandemic had a huge impact on that. You know, one of the things about Pizza Patron, you know, we, we for the longest, we try to keep our approach very simple, uh, really for the purpose of allowing our operators to focus on execution. So give you an example of, of what I mean is, you know, we only had uh, one size. Of, of pizza. You know, we were very late entries into online ordering. Uh, we did not have delivery before the ownership change. So all of those were immediate actions that we wanted to, to implement. You know, delivery, online ordering, developing and having a loyalty app. So those were things that were just on the, I think, on the cusp of launching when the pandemic occurred. And really, thankfully, they were because the, they were set to launch actually right in that first, second quarter of 2020 and they did launch and they really allowed us to, I think, take advantage of that immediate shift that occurred uh, where people, you know, either were stuck at home or obviously were not going out and dining in the, the way they were. Online ordering, you know, increased tremendously during that time period. Delivery was huge for us. We, well, we partnered with the third party delivery companies and I really saw immediate success there. So I think those were some of the huge shifts that we've seen over the last four or five years. Yeah, and as a fellow marketer, you know, I think a brand's adaptability is honestly the true marker of long-term staying power. And something that I love about Pizza Patron in particular is that you guys are actually one of our amazing clients for Revel. So not just that, you're actually one of our longest standing clients. And so in a sense, you could say that Revel and Pizza Patron have grown and adapted together. And I just love your perspective. I think you started to get into that with some of the pandemic um, aligned changes, but your perspective on how technology plays into that ability to scale and continuously offer a great experience to your customers. Oh yeah, and uh, you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, I remember when uh, Rebel came on board, I think this was 2012. Because I remember the specific store, and I was so excited because when I joined the company, one of the first questions that I and again, when I say when I joined the company, I was very familiar with Pizza Patron. Uh, I knew I knew I knew all the pizzas, right? I knew all the price points. But when I joined the company that first week, and again, well, there was like five of us, okay? So there wasn't a lot of us. So when we had meetings, it was all hands on deck. It was five of us, and I I asked the question openly. Um, like, like, what's our best-selling pizza? It was like, and I'm like, I bet it's the Hawaiiana. I bet it's that pizza. 
And no one could answer the question there. I had this blank stare on their face because nobody knew. We did not know in 2007, we could not quantify what was our best. We didn't have a product mix. We had a good idea of what was our best selling pizza. So I gave you all these awesome pizza names and these categories that we had no idea which was the best selling. And I was just shocked. Here I was, right, walking in, I'm the new guy. And it's like, like, why are you asking this? Why are you trying to embarrass us, you know? So I was so excited in 2012 when, you know, we, you know, obviously we shopped, right? They brought in all the candidates and, you know, Rebel won out and I was so excited because I was like, we're finally going to know without a shadow of a doubt what our best selling pizza is. Now we'll have real information to make better decisions, you know, for the future. And uh, we've learned so much uh, throughout this time, you know, as, as more and more stores onboarded in, onto the Rebel platform and kind of unified pricing and we're able to push pricing you know, fairly easily uh, to our markets. You know, I it's it's been fantastic just to kind of see that. And as a marketer, right, these are these are some insights that you need uh, versus just measuring. It's like, well, sales are up, so it's working. You know, you want to know that your marketing efforts or that a promo or that a combo is has a good hit rate. And uh, we've been able to tr- kind of track that thanks to Rebel being implemented throughout most of our system. Yeah. And that's a great segue into what I want to talk about next, which is just digging a little deeper into metrics and reporting capabilities, especially given just the general data centralization available to your team through Revel. So I have two questions for you. One being, what are some of the KPIs that you guys monitor most closely for your restaurants? What's really important to you guys? And then with that, can you share any specific cost savings uh, or operational improvements that your team has had the chance to realize through using those insights? Yeah, so I think obviously we, we all have, you know, the, the core KPIs of sales and transactions. But I think one of one of the awesome things that, that we've been able to really understand at, at a micro level is by market, uh, right? So now we're able to kind of segment by market and, and really look at the performance of a market or a core group of stores using those two KPIs, right? Uh-huh. And rather than implement this one-size-fits-all uh, marketing approach, you know, there was periods where we were able to tailor specific offers to specific regions and markets. We were able to deploy tests uh, and measure those tests a little bit more effectively, you know, without, again, applying a global approach from a specific promotion standpoint. Mm-hmm. And then I think another KPI that, that really Rebel has allowed us to track is order modes, um, you know, online ordering, all in to go, you know, all of those order modes that we really didn't know uh, or have a good sense of, you know, how, the, how our traffic, how we were acquiring our traffic or through what channel, what order mode they were coming in. It's allowed us to really understand and kind of break out, you know, those transactions and that ticket average and, and overall sales. It was like, how is the performance different when it's to go, when it's online? And uh, or when it's a call-in or even, you know, a, a drive-through order. And so the knowledge of that is is so incredibly important. And I think, you know, even the coolest concepts are susceptible to macro-environmental challenges, things like inflation, labor shortages, supply chain disruptions. And I know like the right data can help businesses respond accordingly to weather those storms. So another thing that we've really been fortunate to see is just a sustained appetite post-pandemic for dining out. 
And I think brands doing things right, remember to thank their guests for visiting, which brings me to Patron Perks, which is your team's rewards program. So I'm curious just to know how the program works, how many guests are enrolled in it right now, and what types of opportunities the program has allowed you to explore as a brand. Yeah, so I think our, our enrollment is up to about 160,000 users, part of our, our loyalty database. So we're really excited about that because obviously it, it allows for one-to-one communication, you know, whether it's a push notification or an email. And uh, we've had two different loyalty partners. We recently transitioned and both of them were integrated with, uh, with Rebel, which made things a little bit easier in terms of uh, deployment. Uh, so it's been a, a learning curve for us because, as I mentioned to you, you know, we're, we're fairly new and we're, we're fairly, I think, uh, we're, we're playing catch up with, with some of our competitors in terms of implementation of, of loyalty, delivery, online ordering, whereas some of our competitors, you know, have, have been in, in this arena, this technology arena for, for 20 plus years, you know, we're, we're three to four years in. So loyalty was huge for us. It, uh, it allowed us to you know, really capture some of our our fans' usage patterns, you know, some of the information that we just did not know, Uh, meaning frequency, you know, how often were they visiting us, kind of average spend, what are they like, what were they purchasing? So we're really able to micro down into their behavior and really understand, it's like, okay, now we really know what our super users, our super fans are are really, you know, coming to, to us for. What are they actually buying and now we know uh, exactly what those what those items are and uh, you know when you add that to just the general the general pmix you know it, it gives us kind of this is the gap we have to close right this is the behavior of a non-loyalty user this is the behavior of, of a loyalty user so now from a marketing standpoint right how, how do we close that gap how do we get this non-user to behave like a loyalty user right what are those what are those those key insights Right, that we're learning and that we can use to attract non non loyalty users. You know, how, how can we make things easier for them? You know, so it's it's certainly been a, a transition for us, and you know, I, I think we're we're learning and getting better. But you know, hopefully by by the end of this year, you know, we're upwards of like two hundred and fifty thousand users. You know, we we do have a a planned revamp on the on the Patron perks uh, later on this year. That's great. Yeah, you got to follow those super fans. I think, you know, their actions and what they're doing, you can, uh, you know, pull a lot out of that. And, you know, Sydney and I are people that are always reading the trade publications in our industry. And we love seeing Pizza Patron make headlines. It happens, you know, quite often, new store openings, developments, all that good stuff. What's on the horizon for your team, Juan? And are there any milestones, events, or maybe promotions that our listeners might want to tune into? Yeah, so right now, to start this year, we start, I don't know how familiar you guys are with tahin, but tahin is, is you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a seasoning, a spicy seasoning with, with lemon flavor and pepper, and it's fantastic. It's awesome. So we were very fortunate to partner with tahin to launch our new tahin wings. So this is actually going on right now, right? These are one of a kind, and it just kind of fits our brand, right? Uh, tahin, obviously, being a a Mexican brand and a Mexican company, you know, they've made tremendous inroads here in the U.S. So we're partnered with them right now. We launched a Tahin Wing combo. And when you purchase this Tahin Wings combo, you get a mini bottle of, of Tahin. Uh, you know, it's very small, you know, uh, when people see it, uh, you know, my wife says, oh, it's so cute, right? Look at that mini bottle. 
uh, she gets she got all excited so we're this is one of one of the uh our, our core marketing campaigns right now to uh to start the year and later on in the year it, like i said i remember it, we only had one size right eventually we we added an extra large size uh but along with that and only recently did we develop a second crust which is the maize crust but we did not have a thin crust and you know you guys love pizza right and sometimes you just have a you just want a thin crust right you just want a fantastic thin crust so we never had one and these are some of the insights that we've learned from from our from our guests so we're going to launch a, a new thin crust in the second quarter actually no uh next month i forget we're 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 already we're starting the year we're actually launching it next month a, a new thin crust pizza and we're so excited to get it out there because that's one of the very vocal things that we heard from our fans that is, ah, you guys don't have thin crust. You know, it's like, uh, I just want a little bit less bread on my pizza. I love your crust, but sometimes I just want a thin crust pizza so I could really have more of it. And uh, so they're pretty excited about that. That's right on the horizon. Uh, and that'll be starting next month. Man, good data really gives you so many different options to play and adjust. I love the tahine coming, you know, promotion. I'm a little envious that I don't live closer to take advantage because that sounds fantastic. And, you know, I am curious, since you've had access to more data and since you guys have also started really deploying different options for drive-through delivery, um, carry out, those kinds of things, have you seen any of those channels emerge as the best performer compared to others? Uh yeah, I mean, online ordering is uh, still growing. During the pandemic, we, you know, we weren't sure if it was obviously, you know, pandemic induced as far as that channel just seeing an explosion in growth. Paired that with delivery getting started, you know, and then you stack loyalty on there. So that channel just grew tremendously. And, uh, but to this day, it continues to grow. We continue to see a shift from carry out to go traditional orders over to the online ordering channel. It's amazing to see behaviors within the PMIX as far as uh, the per what people are purchasing online versus what they're purchasing when they walk into the restaurant. You know, it's, it's significantly different from a ticket average perspective. And sometimes it's just a matter of, of those needs. So that's been very, very clear. So one of the, one of the actions that we're actually gonna take as a result of really kind of understanding that data and gaining those insights is that we don't necessarily want to abandon our carry out and to go yes we want to continue to give them offers right and reasons to come into our restaurant you know we don't we don't want to just cannibalize and continually see our to-go traffic go over to online ordering which there's no problem with that because they're obviously spending more money but you know if that decline in, in to-go order mode is greater than the gains that we're making on, on the online channel you know, we have to give those folks a reason to come and visit us. We have to provide some sort of an incentive. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, a significant discount, but, you know, uh, a classic tried and true, you know, marketing approach is, you know, having the early week special. So that's actually something that we're crafting as we speak. And uh, I've been pretty busy on uh, Revel these last couple of weeks, just kind of mining that information and trying to understand, okay, you know, from Monday to Thursday, what is what is the behavior? What is that ticket average? What are they buying on these days that's so different from the weekend? So that, again, we don't cannibalize. We don't want to just take a, a visit from the weekend and move it up 
to a Monday to Thursday window? How do we attract more users that are in the market from a Monday to Thursday occasion? And that's something that I think we've really gained a lot of a good data from Revel, understanding those behaviors, looking at that ticket average, looking at that PMIX. I love it. Well, Juan, this is the part where um, we ask you to keep us honest and just see if there's anything that we haven't covered today, anything between a Tahin special and ticket averages and driving traffic that you feel like would be important that we touch on before we close things out. You know, I think we covered a lot. Uh, and I, I really want to thank you guys so much for, for all of the time that you've given me, you know, if you gave me more time, I would talk about the brand and the history forever because I, I, I love the brand and uh, we truly feel that our fans feel the same way in terms of kind of the affinity that they have for, for who we are and what we stand for. You know, we want to continue to grow, you know, and we're partners like Revel. I, I think we can certainly continue to do that. And, uh, you know, one of the things we like to say around here is like, you know, we have to broaden the appeal and sharpen the focus. You know, and I think we're we're certainly making inroads to to doing that. You know, opening new restaurants, opening different different type of restaurants. You know, we're we're exploring looking at uh, standalones, drive-through is is another big thing for us right now. So we're hungry, we're growing, and uh, we certainly want to thank you guys for for the time to kind of speak on the brand and the history. Yeah, it sounds like uh, we might need a part two sometime. So Juan, thank you so much for offering so much of your expertise today, not only as a marketer, but also someone that's just deeply ingrained with the brand. We, we really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Sydney, Julie, thank you so much. Between the maize crust and the tomatillo sauce, I am completely on board with San Antonio style pizza. If anyone can make that a household staple, I think it's Pizza Patron. I agree. How delicious. And what a cool opportunity for Juan, too, to join the team so early and, and so organically and then have the chance to grow it to the multi-unit brand it is today. Absolutely. And to our listeners, we hope you're hungry and that you learned a thing or two about brand evolution done right. As always, we are incredibly grateful for your time and attention. This is true. And to conclude this episode, here's a final thank you to Juan for his insights as well. If you enjoyed what you heard today, make sure you like and subscribe to Restaurant and Retail Revelations on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss new content. <laughs>